Chapter Eight of Hagar of the Pawn Shop by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Seventh Customer and the Mandarin. There was something very queer about that lacquer mandarin, and something still queerer about the man who pawned it. The toy itself was simply two balls placed together. The top ball, a small one, was the head masked with a quaintly painted face of porcelain and surmounted by a pagoda-shaped hat jingling with tiny golden bells the large ball below was the body gaily tinted to imitate the official dress of a great chinese lord and therefrom two little arms terminating in porcelain hands exquisitely finished even to the long nails protruded in a most comical fashion waited dexterously within the mandarin would keel over this side and that to a perilous angle but he never went over altogether when set in motion the big ball would roll the arms would wag and the head nod gravely a little red tongue thrusting itself out at every bow then the golden bells would chime melodiously and rolling wagging nodding the mandarin made all who beheld him laugh with his innocent antics he was worthy in all his painted beauty to be immortalized by hans anderson a very pretty toy said hagar as the quaint thing tipped itself right and left front and back it comes from china i suppose she asked this question of the customer who demanded two pounds on the figure but in place of answering her he burst out into a hoarse laugh and leered unpleasantly at the girl comes from other side of nowhere i reckon missus he said in a coarse voice and a bloomin rum piece of goods tis anyhow hagar did not like the man's looks at all although she was by no means exacting on the score of personal beauty especially with regard to the male sex still there was something brutal about this fellow which revolted her every sense he had a bullet head with a crop of closely cut hair a clean-shaven face of a blue-black dirty hue where the beard had been removed a low forehead a snub nose a large ugly mouth and two cunning gray eyes which never looked any one straight in the face this attractive gentleman wore a corduroy suit a red linen handkerchief round his throat and a fur cap with ear-flaps on his head also he carried a small black pipe between his teeth and breathed there from an atmosphere of the vilest tobacco certainly the toy was queer but the man queerer not at all the sort of person likely to be in possession of so delicate a work of chinese art and fancy where did you get this demanded hagar drawing her black brows together and touching with one finger the swaying mandarin it's all on the square missus growled the man in an injured tone i didn't prig the blessed thing if that's your lay a pal o mine is a sailor brought it from lord knows where and govet me i wants rhino i do so if you can spring two quid i'll give you twenty shillings said hagar cutting him short oh my bloomin eyes if this ain't robbery and blue murder whined the man twenty bob why the fun you gits out of it's worth more that's my offer take it or leave it i don't believe you came honestly by it and i'm running a risk in taking it sling us the blunt then 
said the customer sullenly it's the likes of you as grinds down the likes of me yeah you and your preachin in whose name am i to make out the ticket asked hagar coldly in the name of mr william smith larky bill they calls me but tain't hetiquette to put endearin family names on pawn tickets i lives in sodder alley whitechapel why didn't you go to a nearer pawn shop then said hagar taking down mr smith's address without smiling at his would-be wit that's my biz retorted bill scowling here gimme the tin and don't you arsk no questions and you won't be told no lies d'ye see hagar stamped her foot here's the money and the ticket take yourself and your insolence out of my shop quick i'm getting growled the man shuffling towards the door see ere missus i comes for that doll in three months or it may be four if it ain't all right and and it up to me proper i'll break your neck what's that you say hagar was over the counter and close at hand by this time larky bill stared open-mouthed at her spirit you say another word my jailbird said hagar seizing his ear and i'll put you in the gutter lordy what a donna muttered bill rubbing his ear when he found himself outside she'll look arter the toy proper three months he wrapped his thumbnail against his teeth i can't get less from the beak but i've bested monkey anyhow and with these enigmatic words mr smith turned on his heel and went to whitechapel there his forebodings were realized for at the very door of his own house in sodder alley he was taken in charge by a grim policeman and sent to prison for four months he had stolen some fruit off a coster's barrow on the day previous to his arrest and quite expected to be as he phrased it nabbed for the theft therefore he employed the small remnant of freedom still remaining to him in pawning the mandarin in the most distant pawn-shop he could think of which happened to be hagar's as mr smith left the court to do his four months a wizen-faced man slouched close to him bill he growled edging against the policeman where's that doll that's all right monkey i put it where you won't get it grunted smith when black maria rolled away with bill inside the man he had called monkey stood on the edge of the pavement and cursed freely till a policeman moved him on he had a particular desire to gain possession of that doll as he called it and it was on this account that larky bill had taken the trouble to hide it monkey never thought of a pawn-shop it was a case of diamond cut diamond and one rogue had outwitted the other in the meantime hagar quite unaware of the value attached to the chinese toy placed it away among other pawned articles upon a high shelf but it did not always remain there for bolker a child in many ways notwithstanding his precocious intelligence found it out and frequently took it down to play with hagar would not have permitted this had she known as the toy was given into her charge to keep safe and she would have been afraid of bolker spoiling the painting or rubbing off the gilding bolker knew this and was clever enough to play with the mandarin only when hagar was absent he placed it on the counter and made it sway in its quaint fashion the waving arms the nodding head and the rosebud of a tongue slipping in and out 
enchanted the lad and he would amuse himself for hours with it it was strange that a gilded toy no doubt made for the amusement of grave chinese emperors should descend to afford pleasure to an arab of london city but the mandarin was an exile from the flowery land and rocked as merrily in the dingy pawnshop as ever he had done in the porcelain palaces of pekin a month or two after the mandarin had been pawned Volker announced in the most unexpected manner that he intended to better himself. He had been given, he said, the post of shop-boy in a West End bookseller's establishment, and as he was fond of literature he intended to accept it. Hagar rather wondered that anyone should have placed sufficient confidence in this Arab to give him a situation, but she kept her wonderment to herself and permitted him to go she was sorry to lose the benefit of his acute intelligence but personally she had no great love for this scampish hunchback so she saw him depart without displaying much sorrow thus bolker vanished from the pawnshop and from carby's crescent and ascended into higher spheres nothing new happened after his departure the mandarin remained untouched on the shelf and the dust collected over his motionless figure Hagar quite forgot about the toy and its pawner, and it was only when Larky Bill was released from prison and came to claim his property that she recalled the incident. She took down the figure, dusted it carefully, and set its swaying on the counter before Mr. Smith. Neither Bill nor Hagar noticed that it did not roll as easily and gracefully as usual. "'Here's the quid and interest and ticket,' said Bill, tendering all three. I'm glad to get this ear back again. No one's touched it, have they? No, it has been on that shelf ever since you pawned it. Where have you been? Larky Bill grinned. I've been staying at a country ouse of mine for my elf's sake, he said, tucking the mandarin under his arm. Say, missus, a cove called Monkey didn't come smellin' round ear for this himage. Not that I know of. Nobody asked for the toy. Guess it's all right chuckled bill gleefully lord to think as how i've done that bloke won't he cuss when he knows as i've got em what them were mr smith did not condescend to explain at that particular moment he nodded familiarly to hagar and went off still chuckling with the mandarin in charge hagar put away the money and thought that she had seen the last of bill but she reckoned wrongly two hours afterwards he was back in the shop mandarin and all with a pale face a wild eye and a mouth full of abuse at first he swore at large without giving any explanation so hagar waited till the bad language was ended and then asked him quietly what was the matter for answer bill plumped down the chinese toy on the counter and clutched his fur cap with both hands matter cuss you he shrieked furiously as if ye didn't know i've been robbed robbed what nonsense are you talking and what have i to do with your being robbed bill gasped and pointed to the mandarin who was rolling complacently with a fat smile on his porcelain visage that that doll he spluttered i've been robbed of the doll asked hagar impatiently ye young jezebel of the diamonds 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 echoed the girl starting back in astonishment yes you know hang you you know 
twenty thousand pound of diamonds they was in that doll inside him they ain't there now why not cause you've robbed me thief yeah i did not know that there were any jewels concealed in the mandarin said hagar calmly had i known i should have informed the police blown the gaff would ye and why because a man in your position does not possess diamonds unless he steals them and now i think of it added hagar quickly about the time you pawned this toy lady deacy's jewels were stolen you stole them perhaps i did perhaps i didn't growled bill mentally cursing hagar for the acuteness of her understanding tenny rate twarn't your biz to prig em i tell you i never touched them i did not know they were in there then who did cuss you when i guv you the doll the diamonds were inside now they ain't who took em hagar pondered it was certainly odd that the diamonds should have been stolen she had placed the mandarin on the shelf on the day of its pawning and had not removed it again until she had returned it to its owner seeing her silent bill turned the toy upside down and removed a square morsel of the lacquer which fitted in so perfectly as to seem like one whole piece within was the dark hollow of the ball empty i put them diamonds in ere with my own and persisted bill pointing one grimy finger at the gap they were ere when i popped it and they ain't ere now where are they who's been playing with my property bolker cried hagar without thinking it had just flashed across her mind that one day she had found bolker amusing himself with the mandarin at the time she had thought nothing of it but had replaced the toy on its shelf and forbidden the lad to meddle with it but now recalling the episode and connecting it with bolker's sudden departure she felt convinced that the imp had stolen the concealed jewels but as she wondered how had he become cognizant that twenty thousand pounds worth of diamonds was hidden in the hollow body of the doll the thing puzzled her bolker echoed larky bill wrathfully and who may that cuss be he was my shop-boy but he left three months ago to better himself i dessay with my diamonds i'll bet where is he that i may cut his bloomin throat i shan't tell you said hagar alarmed by the brutal threat of the man and already regretting that she had been so candid i'll make you i'll twist your neck raged bill mad with anger he placed his great hands on the counter to vault over but the next moment he dropped back before the shining tube of a neat little revolver which leveled itself in hagar's hands she had lately purchased it for defence i keep this always by me said she calmly to protect myself against such rogues as you bill stared at her blankly then turned on his heel and left the shop at the door he paused and shook his fist i'll find that bolker and smash the life out of him he said hoarsely then my fine madam i'll come back to lay you out after which he vanished leaving the mandarin with its eternal smile still rocking on the counter hagar put away the pistol and took up the figure now that she knew about the diamonds and had forced bill to admit as he had done indirectly that they had been stolen from lady deacy she thought it possible that the chinese toy might belong to the same owner 
in spite of her fearlessness hagar was not altogether happy in her mind as regards the burglar if he did not find the diamonds he was quite capable of returning to murder her on the whole hagar concluded that it would be just as well for society at large and herself in particular if mr smith were restored to the prison whence he had lately emerged after some consideration she resolved to see vark the lawyer and tell him the episode of the mandarin taking the image with her as evidence vark if any one would be able to deal with the intricacies of the affair in the meantime bill smith had repaired to the public-house which guarded the narrow entrance to carby's crescent and there was drowning his regrets in strong drink as he drained his tankard of ale he fell into conversation with the fat landlord a brutal-looking prize-fighter who looked as though he had been in jail quite a bird of mr smith's feather these two congenial spirits recognized each other and became friendly so friendly indeed that bill thought it a good opportunity to extract information regarding the whereabouts of bolker he was too wise to explain his reason for making these inquiries that's a fine gal in the pawn-shop hey said he with a leer what agar she's a plum ain't she but not for every man's pickin oh no not she agar can look arter herself proper said the landlord does she mind that sharp all alone just now she does replied mine host she ad a boy a wicked little unchback devil bolker's is name but he's hoff gittin a wage in west end as i do ear west end said bill reflectively and where might e ang out there ho in a swell slap-up bookshop juppins son and juppins lesser square way his parents live down ere but bolker's that set up with his good luck as he looks down on em do he now said bill amiably i'd twist his neck if he was my kid no more booze thankee i'm orf to see a pal of mine the result of this conversation was that mr smith repaired to leicester square and loafed up and down the pavement before the bookshop he saw bolker several times during the day for having been told by the landlord that the lad was a hunchback he had no difficulty recognizing him up till the evening he kept a close watch and when bolker had put up the shutters and was walking home towards lambeth bill followed him stealthily all unknowing that he was followed by a black shadow of crime and danger bolker paused on westminster bridge to admire the red glories of the sunset then plunged into the network of alleys which make up lambeth in a quiet lane by the river he was gripped from behind a large hand was clapped over his mouth to prevent his crying out and he was dragged down to a ruined wharf which ran out through green slime into the turbid waters of the stream now then i've got ye said his captor in a savage tone and i've got a knife too ye bloomin thief just ye answer me strite or i'll cut your ed orf bolker gasped with alarm but not recognizing the threatening face of the man before him he recovered a little of his native impudence and began to bluster here now what do you mean by this what have i done done ye whelp opened that doll and prigged them diamonds larky bill cried bolker at once recognizing his peril here let me go not till ye give me my property my diamonds 
what property what diamonds oh you know what i'm drivin at cuss you you're the unchback as was in the shorp kept by that foin gal agar i popped that doll with diamonds in his innards and you stole em i did nothing of the sort i ere drop your lies ye imp ye know moy naime ye did so ye knows more just look at that knife selp me but i'll slip it in ye ef ye don't tell he threw the terrified boy across his knee and placed the cold steel at his throat the rose-red sky spun overhead in the eyes of bolker and he thought that his last hour had come to save himself there was nothing for it but confession wait wait i'll tell you he gasped i did take the diamonds ye young cuss growled bill setting the lad on his feet again with a jerk and ow did ye know they was inside that himage monkey told me bill started to his feet with an oath but still kept his grip on bolker's shoulder to prevent him getting away monkey he said fiercely what did he tell ye why that lady deesey's diamonds were inside the mandarin how did monkey come to find that doll he got the office from a girl called eliza who saw you pawning the toy liz sold me muttered bill i thought as i saw her on that doy she must have twigged that doll under my arm and guessed as i popped it gord i'll deal with er lighter i will garn ye dorg and tell me the rest he added shaking the boy there is no more to tell whimpered bolker his teeth chattering monkey couldn't get the mandarin cause he had not the ticket he made friends with me and asked me to steal it i wouldn't until he told me why he wanted it then he said that you had stolen twenty thousand pounds worth of diamonds from lady deesey's house in curzon street and had hidden them in the mandarin he said we'd go wax if i'd steal them for him i couldn't get the mandarin as hagar's so sharp she would have missed it and put me in jail for stealing it so i opened the doll and took out the diamonds which were in a leather bag moy bag moy diamonds said bill savagely what did you do with em i gave them to monkey and he cleared out with them he never gave me a single one and i don't know where to find him i does growled mr smith releasing bolker and i'll find him and slit his bloomin throat ere i say ye come back for taking advantage of his release bolker was racing up the wharf bill gave chase as he wanted to obtain further information from the lad but bolker knew the neighborhood better than the burglar and soon eluded him in the winding alleys it don't matter said bill giving up the chase and wiping his brow monkey's got the swag might have guessed as he'd round on me i'll just see him and liz and if i don't make em poi for this my eye then he clinched his resolve with an oath which it is unnecessary to repeat here after relieving his feelings thus he went in search of his perfidious friend with murderous thoughts in his heart at first he thought that it would be difficult to find monkey no doubt the man on obtaining the diamonds had gone off to america north or south so as to escape the vengeance of his pal bill had always been monkey's pal and to live comfortably on the fruits of his villainy later on the burglar learned rather to his surprise that monkey was still in london and still was haunting the thieves quarter in whitechapel 
bill wondered at this choice of a residence when the man had so much money in his possession but he ascribed this longing to monkey's love for his old haunts and associates nevertheless knowing that bill was out of prison it was strange that the man did not look after his skin he knows what i am when i'm riz said bill to himself as he continued his search so he ought to get orf while his throat ain't cut blimey but i'll have a drop of is art's blood for every one of them bloomin diamonds one evening he found monkey in the parlor of a low public-house called the three kings and kept by a jew of ill fame who was rather a fence than a landlord his traitorous friend more wizened and shriveled up than ever was seated in a dark corner with an unlighted pipe in his mouth a half-drained tankard of bitter before him and his hands thrust moodily into his pockets if monkey had the diamonds his appearance belied their possession for he looked anything but prosperous there was no appearance of wealth in his looks or manner or choice of abode what bill old pal he said looking up when mr smith hurled himself into the room you've got out of quad yes i've got help to slit your throat lor whined monkey uncomfortably what you accusin me fur i ain't done nothin s'elp me bill drew a chair before that of monkey and taking out his knife played with it in a significant manner monkey shrank back before the glitter of the blade and the ugly look in his friend's eyes but he did not dare to cry out for assistance lest the burglar should pounce on him now looky ere monkey said bill with grim determination i don't want none of your bloomin lip nor his either d'ye see i've seen that beast of a kid as you put up to steal my diamonds and yah that kid cried monkey with sudden ferocity wish i'd im ear i'd squeeze the art out of him what fur didn't he get you the swag moy swag cuss ye no he didn't and if he says he did he's a liar a bloomin busted liar s'elp me i tell you bill e kept them shiners to himself cuss em that's a damned lie ye sneakin dorg said bill politely my die of taint gorspel truth yelped monkey looky ere old pal don't ye call me pal interrupted bill savagely i ain't no pal of yourn ye terbacker-faced son of a bloomin angman liz blew the gaff on me poppin that himage and ye tried to get the swag when i was doin time and ye did get it yeah i didn't snapped monkey interrupting in his turn the kid stuck to the swag i tell ye course i knowed of them diamonds course ye did growled william ironically didn't i tell ye ow i cracked that crib in curzon street and prigged them diamonds and the himage yeah ye cuss i knows ye did bill and ye told me ow ye stowed the swag inside the doll my high that was sharp of ye but ye moit have trusted a pal i didn't know ye popped the doll till liz told me she saw ye goin into that pop shorp with a chiner thing under your arm and and you'd set her arter me cried bill savagely she didn't get into lambeth on the chance yes said monkey doggedly i did put her on your trail ye hid the diamonds in that image and cleared out with it i couldn't foller meself 
so I set Liz on to ye. She told me as ow you'd popped the thing. So when you was doing time, I tried to get it again. Though that young cuss is sold me. Blimey, but I've a moin to slit your throat, said Bill furiously. What do you mean tryin' to collar my swag? Why, for your own sake, Bill, s'elp me. I thought the gal might find out. But you needn't get up, Bill. I didn't get them diamonds. The boy has them. That's a lie, I tell you. Taint. When I told the kid about the diamonds, he stole em sure, and left the doll so as the pawn-shop gal wouldn't find out. But I never saw him again, though I watched the shorp like a bloomin' tyke. The boy cleared out with them diamonds. I wish I'd him ear. I'd choke the little devil. Bill reflected and slipped the knife into his pocket. Without doubt Monkey was speaking the truth. He was too savagely in earnest to be telling a falsehood. Moreover, if he really possessed the diamonds, he would not remain hard up and miserable in the thieves' quarter of dingy Whitechapel. No, Bulker had kept the jewels and had deceived Monkey. More than that, in the interview on the ruined wharf, he had deceived Bill himself. Priding himself on his astuteness, Mr. Smith felt savage at having been sold by a mere boy. If I can only get him again, he thought when leaving the Three Kings. I'll take the ed orf him, and chuck his crooked carcass into the river mud. But he found it difficult to lay hands on Bolker, although for more than a week he haunted the shop in Leicester Square, warned by his one experience that Bill was a dangerous person to meddle with. Bolker had given notice to his employers and at present was in hiding. Also he was arranging a little scheme whereby to rid himself of Larky Bill's inopportunities. Vark was the man who undertook to carry out the details of the scheme, and Hagar was consulted also with regard to its completion. These three people, Vark, Hagar, and Volker, laid an ingenious trap for unsuspecting Bill, into which he walked without a thought of danger. He had been betrayed by Monkey, by Volker, by Liz. Now he was going to be sold by Vark the lawyer. Truly the fates were against Bill at this juncture. Vark was a thieves' lawyer, and had something in him of a latter-day Fagin, for he not only made use of criminals when he could do so with safety, but also he sold them to justice when they became dangerous. As he saw a chance of making money out of Bill Smith, he resolved to do so and sent for the man to visit him at once. As Vark had often done business with the burglar, Bill had no idea that it was in the lawyer's mind to betray him, and duly presented himself at the spider's office in Lambeth, like a silly fly. The first thing he saw on entering the room was the mandarin swaying on the table. "'You are astonished to see that,' said Vark, noticing his surprise. "'I dare say, but you see, Bill, I know all about your theft of the Deasy Diamonds.' Who told you? growled Bill, throwing himself into a chair. Hagar of the pawn-shop, replied Vark, slowly and with significance. Bill's eyes lighted up fiercely, in precisely the way Vark wished. The lawyer had not forgiven Hagar for refusing to marry him and for curtailing his pickings in the Dix estate. For these reasons he wished her evil. 
and if he could inoculate the burglar's heart with a spite towards her he was bent on doing so it appeared from bill's next speech that he had succeeded oh twas that gal was it said mr smith quietly i might have guessed it by seein' that himage well i owe her one i do and i guess i'll owe her another but that's my biz tain't yourn what d'ye want ye measly dorg he added looking at the lean form of bark in a surly manner i want to see you about the daisy diamonds why did you not bring them to me when you stole them why cos i didn't believe in ye retorted bill i knowed i was in fur toime when i prigged them apples and i wasn't going to trust my swag to your monkey you'd a sold me well monkey did sell you yeah he didn't get much on the deal no but bolker did bolker echoed bill grinding his teeth d'ye know that crooked cuss ye do well see ere bill drew his clasp knife out of his pocket and opened it i'm goin to slip that into him first toime as i claps eyes on his ugly mug you'd better not unless you want to be hanged what do i care growled bill sulkily scragged or time with skilly and hokum it's all the same to me i suppose you wonder where the diamonds are yes i want em that's a pity said bark with irony because i am afraid you won't get them where is them diamonds asked bill laying his open knife on the table bark passed over the question i suppose you know that the police are after you for the d c robbery he said slipping his hand idly across the table till it was within reach of the knife oh yes lord deasy offered a reward for the recovery of the jewels that has been paid but as you are still at large the police want you my friend oh i ain't afraid of ye givin me up i'm too useful to ye i am and i knows too much about ye the peelers shan't put me in quad this time who got the reward he asked suddenly bolker got it damn him bolker yes monkey made a mistake when he trusted the lad bolker thought that he would make more out of honesty than by going shares with monkey when he found the jewels he went off with them to scotland yard lady deacy has them now and bolker added bark smiling has money in the bank cuss him why didn't i cut his bloomin throat down by the river that is best known to yourself replied bark who was now playing with the knife you are in a tight place my friend and may get some years for this robbery yeah no one knows i did it there is the evidence against you said bark pointing to the mandarin you stole that out of lord deacy's drawing-room along with the diamonds you pawned it and hagar can swear that you did so Bolker can swear that the stolen diamonds were inside. With these two witnesses, my poor Bill, I'm afraid you'd get six years or more. Not me, said Bill, rising. You won't give me up, and I ain't feared of any one else. Why not? There is a reward offered for your apprehension. What do I care? Who'll get it? I will, replied Vark, coolly rising. You? bill recoiled for a moment and sprang forward cuss you you'd sell me ye shark gimme my knife not such a fool mr smith 
Vark threw the knife into a distant corner of the room and leveled a revolver at the bullet head of the advancing burglar. Bill fell back for the moment, fell into the arms of two policemen. He gave a roar like a wild beast. Trapped by... He yelled and struggled to get free. The next moment Hagar and Bolker were in the room, and Bill glared at one and the other. "'You trapped me, damn ye,' said he. "'Wait till I get out.' "'You'll kill me, I suppose,' said Hagar, scornfully. "'No, shan't kill you. Nor yet that little devil with a hunch. There's only one cove as I'd swing for, that beastly thief of a lawyer.' Vark recoiled before the glare in the man's eyes, and as Bill, foaming and cursing, was hurried out of the room, he looked at Hagar with a nervous smile. "'That's bluff,' he said feebly. "'I don't think so,' replied Hagar quietly. "'Good-bye, Mr. Vark. I'm afraid you won't live more than seven years. There will be a funeral about the time of Larky Bill's release.' When she went out, Bolker grinned at the lawyer, and with frightful pantomime he drew a stroke across his neck. Fark looked at the clasp-knife in the corner and shivered. The mandarin on the table rolled and smiled always. End of chapter 8